This is Anthony Pascal. And this is Lori Elster, and this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. We've got some news to get through this week. We don't have an interview or anything, but there are still lots to talk about. And we're going to start with some business news about Paramount, which means I'm just going to toss the baton to my pal Tony to take this one. Because as some of you know, I think all this stuff is actually really important and it has impact on Star Trek, but it's just not my wheelhouse for getting into great discussions. So take it away, Tony. It seems like a deal is coming closer. Paramount is for sale. It now looks like Skydance Media is at the front of the line as a potential buyer. All the stuff with Warner Brothers Discovery seems no one's talking about that anymore. The market didn't like that idea. Yeah, I didn't like that idea either. No one liked that idea. This is a much better idea for – I don't know how far you want to get into the weeds, but the idea is that they would <laughs> that they want to buy the company – and take it private, merge Skydance with Paramount as a studio. I think in the end, what they would do is they would sell off CBS. They'd sell off all the cable channels. Uh, they and they turn Paramount into a content-focused film and television studio. They don't need the scale of say a Comcast or Disney because they have big financing behind them. They have private equity behind them. Uh, David Ellison has his father, one of the richest men in the world, Larry Ellison, who's apparently going to pony up some money for this. So, you know, when they need to finance a movie for $200 million, there will be money for that kind of thing lying around, which is important, obviously, because uh, you can't make blockbusters without lots of money. They could afford all the Chris's. Yeah, exactly. They could put every Chris in the Star Trek movie. So analysts like this deal more, assuming it's a good deal for investors, which is complicated. One of the big questions is, what do they do with the streaming components, which would be Pluto and Paramount Plus? That would have a huge impact on Star Trek. We'll know more in February when they do their latest quarterly results. You know, I'm not expecting them to announce that they've moved to profit yet. They did put out this memo today saying this is the year, the focus on profit year for Paramount Plus, but it do doesn't say that they've achieved it. So, but they're... Right. And I would sort of assume that every year is the focus on profit year. Well, actually, <laughs> no. I mean, when you are in a growth phase, you can be openly, you know, yeah, a couple of yeah, years yeah. ago, you're like, we're growing, we're spending. And the market was responding to that. They're like, no problem, you know, but now the market's like, okay, now now it's time to make some money. Yeah. So if they could show that there's at least a path to profitability, it's possible Paramount Plus will survive. I still think it's going to be merged or bundled with something else. I mean, you know, uh, but it could just be shut down and all the good content licensed to third parties. Discovery and Strange New Worlds could end up on Amazon or Netflix or who knows. Right. Kind of like Prodigy. It's a good thing I already subscribed to everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it would actually be, in the end, a good thing. This deal, it's a much better thing than the Warner Brothers Discovery was. did not look like a good deal. There are some other bidders looking at a Paramount. There's a there's a capital management company that bought just a massive, like half a trillion dollar company called Apollo Capital that owns some other media assets. They would probably also take it private. It could have a similar result in the end. They're kind of a, this, a turnaround company that buys what are often called distressed assets and turns them around. 
anyway, this is all we know for now. Uh, this is the you know, the year of a deal, but Paramount is still focused on what they're focused on. They're still announcing new shows and new seasons. That they're not just they're not waiting. You know, some people are saying Paramount's not going to do anything until a deal is done. There's you know they they can't do that. They have to continue churning out product, greenlighting movies. You know, they just announced another Top Gun movie. They've ordered some new seasons for Paramount Plus this year for non-Star Trek shows and ordered new shows. So they haven't shut down spending. They're just not spending as much as they were. Like 2022 was their year of right. overspending. And well, since then, a lot happened. <laughs> a lot's <laughs> happened since then. Yeah. We'll be keeping an eye on it. Um, there's a extended article on the site if you want even more details. This is the year that Star Trek gets yet another owner, probably, in a long series of owners, starting with Desilu back in the day. I wish we could just pool our money and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but even if we bought it, we'd, we'd yet, you'd still need more money to then do something with it. You know, it would take. Yeah. Well, we'd ask so. that guy's dad. <laughs> Sorry, this is the depth of my business knowledge. It's just not my topic. Again, <laughs> not dismissing have... the importance of it in any way, but only saying it just the details. The more you get into the details, the more it just my brain just is like Homer Simpson, just thinking of dancing girls, like just something else just appears in my head. But there is a, I mean, David Ellison has, you know, he's the executive producer on two Star Trek movies. You know, when Beyond was coming out, he talked about how important it was for them to respect Roddenberry's legacy for the 50th anniversary. This is someone who's Trek aware, you know, and yeah, he, knows, yeah, yeah. he knows Kurtzman. He, in fact, tried to get Kurtzman and Orsi back in the day to run the television division for Skydance. So I think... This is something that could be good for the franchise in the end. You know, he's not someone who's going to come in and just shut down all of Star Trek. Right. Or not understand it at all. Yeah. Exactly. Not that he's going to get into the, I mean, he's got bigger problems than getting into the weeds of green lighting shows and stuff like that. But an appreciation for the franchise. Yeah. I think something that I still don't understand why they haven't done is assign someone in Paramount Global to be the, you know, chief creative officer of Star Trek or maybe of all their franchises, but probably of Star Trek. I mean, Star Wars has the, the John Wick franchise has someone like that within right. Lionsgate. I mean, you just and, and this would someone who'd look over everything, movies, TV, comics, games, everything and look at the franchise holistically. It's shocking that since the merger there still isn't someone with that job. Yeah, the, they don't all seem to be connected. No, they absolutely aren't. Yeah. Well, let's move into some more practical sort of imminent matters, which is um, we got a little update on Strange New Worlds production, which is Jordan Canning, who was directing episode two of season three, said that she wrapped earlier this week. She posted on Instagram, had a great time, posted a couple of pictures so tells us a little bit about their production schedule. It looks like they shot one episode after you know, the strikes ended and they moved pretty quickly to get back into production. They shot one episode in December and then everyone went on break, you know, including Jess Bush flying home to Australia and then, then they all came back <laughs> and then they flew <laughs> everyone back and they started up again in like the second week of January. And now they've wrapped up the second episode. They're moving along nicely. 
yeah, it takes about two weeks to do an episode, so they should be done by May. You know, we still don't know whether they're going to be able to turn it around and get anything out this year. I'd say maybe at yeah, best. 50-50. Uh, yeah, I'm starting <laughs> to think it's not even that, but yeah, maybe. We'll see. And then the, and the Section 31 movie starts shooting next week, so things are in there general. There is some uh, something we haven't confirmed yet, but it looks like the Academy show could start pre-production at least in March, would which would make sense for them to start up after Strange New Worlds wraps up. Because as, as I said before, they're not going to do all three at the same time. Right. That's just crazy. Um, but uh, I think once one or both of the Section 31 movie and the Strange New Worlds season three are done, they'll be ready to start on Academy. Right. Which means no matter what, that's 2025 at the earliest. Yeah. But, but probably 2025 because, you know, even if they start in shooting in the summer, they'll they could get it into 2025. Yeah. I don't mind waiting for a new show. It's only waiting between seasons that drives me crazy. In, yeah, exactly. You know, the strikes lasted for five months. It's just it's just going to have an impact. There's just no yeah. way around it. Yeah, of course. We have some uh, awards nominations coming up, uh, sort of technical specific craft awards coming up for sound editing and visual effects. So the Golden Reel Award, which is a sound editing award, Picard has been nominated for The Last Generation. Um, and and in the sound editing animation category, Lower Decks has been nominated for Old Friends, New Planets. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something that these shows have been nominated. I think both of them have been nominated before for these. You know, this is the kind of stuff that Trek usually gets, right? I think you were about to mention the Visual Effects Society, yep. which, which actually recently Trek has not been getting these nominations. So this is good. They're back on their radar this is for creative environments which is basically the volume yeah you know so it's not kind of the main ship battle visual effects um there's so much no, it's competition. For, the, for the broken circle yeah there's a lot more of those kinds of shows on the air now i mean back in the day trek won almost every year back in right. the 90s because there you know what else was there like battle yeah. you know i mean you know babylon 5 you know and stuff i mean no offense to babylon 5 but star trek was spending the most money on visual effects yeah. back in the 90s and now it, everyone is spending a ton on visual effects right. right i mean star trek didn't get any wins at the critics choice awards um but the saturn awards are coming up in february and there's like 15 nominations for all the different for picard lower decks and strange new worlds and strange new worlds has been nominated uh by the american society of cinematographers also i mean it's it's so, rare to get the critics of choice nomination anson and rebecca and um Celia. yeah they all went they all looked great and they they acknowledged that that um they did it like some of those entertainment tonight red carpet things they're like look shows like this usually don't get the nomination you know? yeah so yeah no it's nice to see them at a at a non-genre specific ceremony i mean they took time out from shooting strange new worlds to fly down to la for the awards so that was a big deal yep that's actually the reason that celia couldn't do track talks this year which is my segue into the star trek picard track talks panel <laughs> <laughs> and it's true so there you go um i don't know if all of you watched trek talks i hope you did you still can if you didn't um but there was an amazing star trek picard panel co-hosted by jonathan delarco and our own pal 
Kayla Iacovino. Um, and it was, they it was the longest panel of the day, right? Yes, yes. It was a full hour. It had the most people in it of any of the other ones. Um, it was so much fun to watch and just see them all go. I thought it went really well. Um, and one of the things they talked, Terry Metalis, there's a lot of praise for Terry during that panel. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, it was a it was a Terry love fest. It but was. It was. <laughs> I loved it. But the, there was that moment where. They were, I think Kayla was talking about how it was too dark, you know, and. Yeah, it's a good question, I thought. Yeah, and and, and Terry essentially was saying, you know, lessons learned, you know, he pointed out how the, you know, when you look at it on, in their wonderful monitors on set, it looks great. Yeah, sure. You know, (laughs) but streaming on a normal TV, it doesn't. And, And sometimes Paramount Plus would release it using weird stuff and it would be even worse and. So then he so then he just was talking about this and he said, you know, if we had to do it again or if, you know, next time or something like that. And Delarco's like, wait, wait, what do you mean if you get another shot? So he thought that Terry was talking about the spinoff legacy as if it was happening. And Terry had to say, well, it's not really happening. Yeah, there's nothing in development right now, even though everybody wants to do it who worked on it, of course. Yeah, they they were all there and they were all, you know, excited to do it. It's not happening. It's not in development. But he, he then immediately started talking about how he was just talking to Dorn about ideas for the show. It's like it's it's he can't help, you know, and I've talked to him about this in the past. In his mind, he just thinks of the 20th, like his brain is in the 25th century and he's thinking, what is the what's happening? You know, and he was talking right. to Dorn about it, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and he was wondering, like, what the Klingon Empire is like. I feel like he talked to us about that, possibly, on our podcast yeah. when he was there, too. But talking about, like, where is the Klingon Empire? What's going on with them? What does that mean for Worf? What does that mean for Alexander? Um, those are all good questions. I mean, I love that he's still thinking about it. Yeah, and he, he noted how Spock, Leonard Demoy, you know, that character. I think it was on- Todd Stashwick who noted that. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, but, but you know, first, Metalla said, you know, these characters, you, you never say goodbye to them, which was his little bit of hope that even though nothing's in development, maybe someday. But then, yeah, Todd's like, speaking of Spock. Yeah, Spock <laughs> came back to life. So, you know, I'm sure they'd find a way. I can't imagine them not finding a way to use him. I, I'm not sure he'd be a series regular but they, he'd show up. They'd figure out a way for sure. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. There's always a way. In soap operas and Star Trek, there's always a way. Speaking of Star Trek Legacy, uh, Michelle Hurd was at the 25th anniversary event for SVU. Uh, for SVU fans, you may remember she was on that show. She was great on that show, by the way. And she got out, you know, because I mean, that's a funny thing. Like you're on the red carpet for SVU and she gets asked about Star Trek Legacy, a show that's not happening technically. (laughs) But Hollywood journalists want to know. And I mean, what she said is, you know, fingers crossed. She goes through like, oh, well, you know, they're going to do Section 31 and then they're going to do Academy. And then if fans want it, they're going to do Legacy. Almost as if it's a fait accompli, you know, that legacy is going to happen. I think she oversold it a little bit there. Well, I think she also wasn't making the statement as someone who's running the franchise. She was just making the statement as, you know, an actress with her perspective on it. But I don't think she was claiming to have 
inside information. I mean, it's certainly on the table back in the offices, but uh, she kind of made it seem like, oh, well, you know, if fans want it, they'll just do this next. And since fans obviously want it, then they will do this next. And I just don't think it's that simple. I think probably something has to go if for it to be another series. Right. You know, they've got Strange New Worlds and Academy. I just don't see them doing three live action series concurrently. Yeah, I just don't think she was speaking from a business perspective. I think right. she was, you know, she was asked on the red carpet. That's not a place for those kinds of conversations. Right. I mean, it isn't a, yeah. So, she's saying if the fans want it, you know, they'll do it. Like Right. And the obvious <laughs> response from most fans uh, to this article and online of it, well, duh, we want it. Yeah, go, yeah of you course know. we want it. You know, there are people, and I get this perspective, says we don't want more old track and bringing back old act. You know, we want a brand new show with a brand new cast. Now, Metallus would say you're actually, you can get both, you know, so we could do a new show that focuses on a new young cast, but also brings in all of these people once in a while. And I think that is the right way to do it. I mean, maybe what made some people nervous, and this came up in the Picard panel too, is like Terry said, you know, the ending was not a setup. It was a real ending and it's a passing of the torch. But when you throw that scene with Q in at the end, I mean, first of all, it did feel like a setup. It just felt like a setup for another show. Yeah. But, you're, but when you throw Q in, you are already now making that connection and tying it back. And it, and that that was why I didn't love that because it didn't, feel like a new adventure it felt like oh the same old adventure right like let's revisit so i think that's the way that some people are thinking is like yeah i don't want to keep having references and legacy and going back and visiting old people that we already know i personally would be very thrilled with the legacy show but it's not like i can't understand some of the hesitation should we move on to star trek discovery I mean, it is the next big thing, right, that we're going to see for star live action Star Trek, any Star Trek, right? Yeah, new Star Trek. You can keep rewatching the old ones. <laughs> I can't speak to what everybody's going to see, but I can speak to new Star Trek. So um, how do you say his name? Elias Tufexis? Is that his? Yeah. 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 So he was interviewed by Trek Culture on YouTube. Um, you know, He's playing uh, one of the two antagonists this season on Discovery. Um, one of the two aliens, this Bonnie and Clyde type couple who are chasing the same thing that the disco people are chasing. Um, he's a big Star Trek fan and he appeared very briefly in season one and he thought that was going to be it. And he was very sad and then thrilled to get the call to show up for season five. So, and he revealed some stuff that I'm sure he got in trouble for later. Oh, there is no doubt that... <laughs> <laughs> there is no doubt that uh, he got a phone call <laughs> from someone yes. saying, oh, dude, you know, yeah. so he's not doing any more interviews. Let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> um, until until they do the official rollout, which will start right. in, in March and April. I mean, it, but then again, I'm not sure there was anything crazy that he said. He He talked about how. His character, which, you know, how many times have we heard this before? Um, he's not just a villain. You know, he's not just a bad guy. Right. He's nuanced. He's got his own motivations, his own reasons. But it isn't it doesn't sound like it's, you know, a cliched revenge thing. He, he's a he's a criminal and he and it's a love story with him who plays Locke, this alien and Maul. And they have, you know, that they're after the same thing that the Discovery and Federation people are after for their own reasons. 
and they just want to be left alone. The big thing he said that people got excited about is that there are lots of callbacks to previous Star Trek shows in the season five storyline of Discovery. And something has to do specifically with his character. He said, what my character turns out to be is huge for Star Trek. And then he was like, oh, I can't get into the specifics. Because he isn't an obvious, when you look at the pictures, he's not a clear alien where you go, oh, that it's this or that. He kind of looks like, kind of looks a little bit like a Kelpian. There, there's some other Star Trek and Babylon 5 aliens. He looks a little bit. I, I suspect it's some kind of interesting hybrid, perhaps. Yeah. You remember they had the Cardassian president who's like part Cardassian and part. Bajoran. Bajoran and part human. and Yeah. 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 All sorts of things. I mean, my, my favorite crazy thing theory which wasn't a real theory was that he's some like deep descendant of the uh janeway and paris lizard yeah. babies i saw that that was that's my favorite also yeah i mean i mean <laughs> I, you know what i would give Do them it. such huge props if they did if they yeah, kind so of turned that into a real thing you know and, and it made logical sense how they evolved and they got smarter whatever it's not that but God, that would be so cool if it was. I know. That would be so much fun. <laughs> That's the so, right time for a callback. It's so clear this guy is a real fan. I mean, he talked about how Discovery has changed over the years. And what's interesting is he said, like, last season was the kind of Star Trek the motion picture style season where it was slower and quieter and had this big kind of entity thing to deal with in the science plot. And they are going in the other direction, as he described it this season. He wasn't saying that was bad. He's just saying they're pivoting to this more fun adventure stuff this season. And he picked up on what Michelle Paradise said at that recent convention in Brazil of how it's more episodic. And he said, yeah, those like whole episodes that aren't really about the, the big plot. They're more. Yeah, he said there were a couple of standalones that he's not even in. Right. Or he shows up just at the end so that they can bridge to the. Yeah. Next episode, because he's part of, you know, the big arc of this big hunt. He even said, maybe, you know, I think he's guessing here, but that they looked at Stranger Worlds and they kind of liked some of what they saw of how they're switching things up episode by episode. And having a little more fun, I think. Yeah. So it's worth checking out. His enthusiasm is infectious. You know, it's great that, I mean, he he's a real fan. He made his own like fan films when he was a kid i mean this yes. is a genuine he's he's a fan. fun follow on uh twitter by yeah. the way yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not one of those people who says he's a fan because you know he's a fan you know he's stashwick yeah. level fan yep so that's great you know they they called him back for another season yeah i like that plus i feel like that's a nice star trek tradition anyway reusing sure. your guest stars yep yeah you wouldn't recognize him you know because he's under right. so much makeup uh, the other discovery thing comes from Trek Talks. Uh, the closer was Doug Jones. He didn't, you know, because Doug is careful about stuff, but he did talk a little bit about the finale. And I thought what was interesting is he talked about you know the additional shooting. Yeah, you know, we've heard this referred to as reshoots, but it's clearer now that they they didn't reshoot anything. The way he described it is the finale. They didn't change anything. But they added something. An epilogue. Which, yeah, he described it as an epilogue, which he is part of. Like, for example, Elias said, you know, he had nothing to do with the, you know, with this epilogue. So his stuff was right. done. 
No, and Doug said he got emotionally said he went in to do some additional dialogue and he asked them to show it to him because he hadn't seen it. And then he got and then he cried. He's such a sweetie. I mean, how would he not cry? But it, it does sound like it's emotional, whatever it is. This yeah. epilogue. I mean, that's also one of the hallmarks of the show. Um, but it makes of course. sense. <laughs> He's such a sweetie. Like I loved in that panel when um, when Jessica asked him what he would like his legacy to be. And he said that he'd been thinking about that lately and that he would like to be known as the guy who gave hugs, who gave good hugs. Oh. It's like, love him. I've gotten a hug from Doug Jones. I think so you have. I have. He's a good yeah. hugger. Everyone, yeah. I don't know if he still does it like with fans at conventions because I of think COVID. He does. I don't think he, he does. I think he still does. I suspect he still does. Amazing. Um, anyway, separate from that, he mentioned that he asked Michelle Paradise at the beginning of the season when they just started filming, like, is the Saru Tarina romance going to continue? And she said, I think you'll be very pleased. So that would be a yes. I mean, last week, you know, our last podcast, we talked a little bit about the season one description, which talked about how Saru gets a, some kind of offer, you know, some big oh, offer. Oh, not season in. one, episode one of the new season. Right, exactly. And I mean, maybe it has something to do with her. And, you oh, know, it, it's maybe. Maybe it's um, an offer to go to Vulcan or something. Navarre. Yeah. yeah. I like that. You know, could just be that they're gonna. You know, she offers to marry him. Maybe we get a, we'll get a an alien wedding, and then a weird looking baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we've got the spinoff all figured out. Exactly. <laughs> Talk about passing the torch. Ah, ah. All right. Well, we have more fun stuff from from Trek Talks, which I'm just gonna throw in. By the way, has raised. In total, so far, the last time I looked, because they're still taking donations, $110,000. Uh, a good chunk of which uh, was from Rod Ronberry. He did a $50,000 matching donation, right? Yes, he did. He said, once you get to 50, I will match it, which is incredible and very generous. And he did that. But um, just saying, if you wanted to donate, you could just go to givebutter.com slash trektalks3. Just throwing that in there as an option. Um, and definitely still, you can still go watch watch all the panels because they're really great. So one of the ones I thought was terrific was moderated by you. Indeed. I was given the producing Star Trek panel, which was with Aaron Watke and the Hageman brothers from Prodigy and Brandon Braga from, you know, TNG Everything. Voyager. <laughs> So in in the end, it would you know we it was ended up to be a lot about Voyager and Prodigy because of who was there. It was fun watching because they had never met. I that know was that was so cool that they had never met him until that panel, and like they started by by complimenting him. Yeah. And he doesn't always get that. I mean, fans get mixed with, you know, I think he's still sensitive about a lot of the negative comments that he used to get. And so that was a really lovely moment because they were so genuine and so appreciative. And then he had watched Prodigy. And he really, I think he was genuinely touched. I don't know, but he, he liked what they've done with the Janeway character. Yeah. And how they're carrying on, you know, the the legacy of 
uh, Voyager, even though the Hagemans wanted to make it clear, you know, that they're not, this isn't Voyager season eight. There's, there's other stuff coming in season two that has, even though the doctor's coming out. So they got the doctor and Chakotay and Janeway and another Janeway. Uh, but they, they're, they're promising <laughs> this, there's non Voyager things coming in season yeah. two. And they talked about like broadly just bringing in legacy characters because Brandon was like, look, we brought in Spock and Scotty and Sulu. We brought, you know, we came close to getting Kirk on Enterprise and talked about how, saying the big challenge is just making sure the story is right and there's a good reason to bring the character back and admitted that he felt like unification on TNG was, I think he said it was a little drab. Yeah, he questioned whether it was worthy of Leonard Nimoy and Spock. And I think yeah. there was an argument for that because you you only want to bring in a legacy character for a good reason, not just to have them show up, you know, which is something we talked about over and over again as we were reviewing Picard, where in almost every case, there was a good reason. Moriarty, not a good reason, you know, right. yeah. it, just like, you know, Terry just wanted to do it you know, for, but uh yeah and, and that because that that season shows you how to do it right and how to do it wrong i would yep. say and janeway i think the hageman said there's there was never any discussion yeah it's going to be janeway because who else it just there's no one else that could because they knew they wanted a legacy character to help bridge the gap and she's just so perfect for what they wanted to do which brandon and, agreed with yeah and mentioned that she has maternal qualities which she always did I mean, I, I really like what they, you know, I mean, Hologram Janeway, the great thing about that character was that she was Captain Janeway, especially early season Captain Janeway, but kind of grew to be her own thing as well. Yeah, a, I would a, a agree. third Janeway, essentially, you know, and then the Admiral Janeway character is a logical evolution of the Janeway we knew from Voyager. Right. And who made it all the way back and had all kinds of stuff happen. And they, I mean, you tried to get them to talk about Janeway and Chakotay. Brandon didn't spill anything about what they were thinking of back in the day. The Hagemans talked about how careful they've been, just in terms of even how they think about that relationship. They know that it's a big deal. They said they called in consultants. <laughs> so it's interesting. I mean, right. Like I would not be happy if they show up and throw themselves into each other's arms and start making out. Like I don't want, lots of people do want that. I don't. I have faith in whatever they're going to do, but they've yeah, clearly yeah. put a lot of thought into it. Which is why we have so much faith in it. They clearly also put a lot of thought into how they were on Voyager because they talked about that. And they also talked about how, you know, noting how Brannon was handcuffed, as they described it, due to the, the non-serialized nature of Voyager in developing oh, that, that kind of stuff. Well, that didn't stop Tom and Balana. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when you, <laughs> I, I, I remember when I did a, a rewatch of Voyager a few years ago, I'm like, this is more serialized than you one remembers. There's like the doctor had tremendous growth and change. Balana and Tom had all this growth. I think there was some for Harry. Maybe everybody, you know, and Janeway seemed to bear the weight of like the burden of the whole thing. But I do think there was character serialization in that show. It's easy to point out. You know, there's just other things like, you know, too many shuttles, too many torpedoes. You oh, know, yeah. The, they the, ran the out ship. of torpedoes and somehow got fresh ones. They had way more than they started with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the ship just, you know, it all it it should have gotten more beaten up as they moved along you know yeah but. it seemed to be repairing itself <laughs> yeah 
which they could have explained easily. Yeah, I, I think uh, that show does have a good amount of character serialization, which is now kind of the in vogue thing. When you look at Strange New Worlds, it's all, you know, they, they say it's not serialized. It's extremely serialized. Yeah, very much you know, so. Just it, it's really the characters that are serialized, but the, the plots aren't as much. Right. We still don't know um, when season two is coming on Netflix, but uh, it's not going to be in February. And when you, uh, Netflix has announced some things for March and April, and it's not on those lists either, but they haven't released comprehensive lists. So I still have no idea. I, you know, my best guess is, you know, I hate to say it, but I think they're going to drop it in April, you know, which means we're going to end up with, you know, all sorts of Star Trek in April. But yeah, maybe I'm just worried about that. And that's why I think it's going to happen. <laughs> it's always feast or famine, right? Yeah, there was a lot. I mean, we've talked about a few panels at Trek Talks, but there were so many good panels that just weren't newsy, but just were fun discussions. And it really is worth checking them out. You know, watching them all at one sit down may be difficult because it is a total of six hours. How many hours? Eight. Eight hours. Jesus. Um, so it was a long and wonderful day. <laughs> so, well, the one I recommend to everybody is the Tuvix panel, which was like a fantasy panel for me. <laughs> it was the panel I've dreamed of since I knew panels existed. So Tom Wright, Ethan Phillips, Tim Russ, Lisa Klink, who didn't write the episode but was in the writer's room, Robbie and Garrett moderated. The funniest thing to me was that they basically were still arguing over Janeway's decision. It's all these years later. They have a lively debate about whether she did the right thing or not. And then every comment on our story about it is the same debate like it's just it's a never-ending debate it is i love it the ultimate the the, the sides were tim russ had a, a you know ironic non-ironically logical point of view right and it wasn't just arguing for his own character but you know why janeway did what she did because she's the captain she has to make this essentially the needs of the many argument and Robbie's point of view, which I, I thought was interesting, even though I don't necessarily agree with, is he thought it hurt the Janeway character as a story, you know, looking at it as a, as a storyteller, that fans watching the show would, feel, you know, not like her, essentially, well, because of the didn't. decision. And some didn't. Yeah, because yeah, she's, like you know, da- you know the, the Janeway is a murderer. And he really doubled down. He's like, why didn't they do it? They could have done a science thing to get out of it. They could have had... Tuvix sacrifice himself. Yeah, Lisa Clink was like, we we considered that, she admitted, but she said like it's much more interesting to force Janeway to decide. That's really what the story is. And she said, and torture your characters as much as possible. But she's right, like that is what makes it that's what you know, Janeway's Janeway, and she has to make these calls. And that's what makes the show she's out in the middle of nowhere, she's got no one to help her, and she had to make a decision. And I think it was funny that Tom Wright, who played Tuvix, was like, yeah, Janeway made the right call. <laughs> yeah. One reason why I think Robbie is partially right is that it kind of seems out of character. Perhaps. It depends on how you view Janeway, but it's just so such a harsh and cold thing. You know, like if it was a show like Battlestar Galactica, you could see Adama making a call like this and you almost wouldn't think about it you know, the next week, because that's the kind of guy he was. He made those hard decisions and, you know, they had a new crisis to deal with the next week. And 
this is the thing about Voyager perhaps is like, you know, year of hell should have been a year long season, you know, that we should have seen more of these gray area, hard hitting, dark elements on the show. And we didn't. And so when one pops up every once in a while, you're like, whoa, that's kind of dark. She killed that guy, you know, and that look on her face and everything. I mean, it's it's shocking. So I can see that, you know, and, that you know, I my only argument is I, you know, I wish she killed more people. You know, I wanted, <laughs> you know, let's get, you know, let's let's delve into the dark. I mean, you got to do some you're stuck in the Delta Quadrant. You got to make some tough calls. Well, they did. She did make a lot of tough calls. True enough, but I want I want to see more. I want to see more gray area, more darkness. I think she did have a lot of those moments where she was wrestling with things and had to and she had to make ultimately it's her decision to make. I did think it was funny Garrett had a theory that he just wanted all three. He thought there was a way to keep them all. <laughs> I mean that's, Aww, that's what I, I mean it's sweet, but come on. Get off the fence, Garrett. Yes. <laughs> well, it's because he just loved Tom Wright so much. He had such a strong reaction to him. So I thought that was really nice. And I think it was nice for Tom Wright because he has he said he hadn't done any conventions before. He's never done anything like that. So and Garrett was like, I'll hook you up, don't worry. But it would be great to see him at conventions. And he obviously he's you know, he still thinks about the episode. He understands it has such a big impact. So you know, like, let's let's get him. I think that's so cool. That was, tr- I think, for me, like, such a highlight. Yeah, there's that. more in there. Lisa Klink talks about the original pitch and how it changed and stuff. So, Oh, yeah, that stuff was great. I think it's just great that you guys did a, a whole thing on just one episode because it's such a way to deep dive into it. It's so funny. Like, they'd done that a couple of years back. They did The Visitor from Deep Space Nine. And then when it came up again to do an episode, you know, we all we have a Slack and everybody was just like, Tuvix, 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 Tuvix. Everybody said Tuvix. I make a list of like, here's 10 different episodes we could do. And everyone's like, Tuvix, Tuvix, Tuvix. So, <laughs> so we got and then the minute we got Tom Wright, it like turned into oh my god something else and then we really tried to get ken biller because i I mean i'm whatever i'm gonna toot my own horn i was pushing pushing like we need the writer we need the writer we need the writer and then when ken couldn't work out the timing i figured lisa was in the room which she was and that was great and then i brought up i was like what if garrett moderated because i remembered him telling me in an interview for trek movie how much he loved tom wright like he was nuts for him and then John Bellingsley, once he was asking Garrett, he just asked, you know, he got them both. And he just basically told them they were doing it. (laughs) So what's another, let's think about 2025. Maybe some of our listeners can post on the article for this what they would like to see. But what's another single episode panel that would be a fun one to do? I mean, Threshold, of course. I mean, you can go in the other direction. Doesn't obviously doesn't have to be Voyager. You know, I'd love to see see a measure of the man. I feel like we're overdue for some Deep Space Nine love, you know. And there's so many choices there. And in that case, you may want to do like an arc because so often those, you know, they had those multi-part episodes. But there are some great standalones. There there. are great standalones that you could do. Yeah. I mean, there's so many options. Like the, the list I made was also based on like people I thought we could get. Right. That's obviously, yeah, you know, some, so that's some original series ones you'd want to do, but it's right. You know, there's difficulties there for obvious reasons. Right. Well, speaking of single episode panels, there was another one 
moderated by a certain Lori Ulster. A certain very nervous person. <laughs> focused on a more, much more recent episode, Those Old Scientists. Yeah, that was so much fun. We got Jonathan Frakes, Tani Newsom, and the the co-writers, Bill Walcuff and Catherine Lynn, who were great. You could tell how much fun they had making this episode, and they made it clear that, yeah, they had a blast. I mean, they. I think the big takeaway is, like, they were never held back. Nobody was worried it was getting too funny or too silly. And uh, once Daly started showing up, um, they were just told, like, do more. Keep doing what you're doing and and increase it which of course they all of them pointed out especially frakes like that is just so weird on a star trek show yes <laughs> because you're never allowed to do to, to break you know, there are guardrails and you know that there's the script and there's certain act you know certain things you do with the camera and he was doing some weird shit in that episode and they let him do it you know the weird pov cam and the yep. cartoony stuff yeah, that's it was fun to watch them talk about all of that. And and we didn't see this on the DVDs, but there are some outtakes. Apparently, Tawny said she got a little raunchy talking about hot Spock. Yeah, so. she said like saying, saying terrible things about my friend to my friend. <laughs> so and apparently there's some good stuff with her and uh, Rebecca in the hallway in the corridor. Um, and some stuff with Boimler, like just poking around Pike's office. Like Jonathan Frakes said, he said he kept everything in his cut, but there were outtakes. Because I was like, did you film anything that you didn't use? And he basically used everything except the outtakes. Right. But those are more, yeah, alternate takes of the same scene. There aren't yeah, whole, yeah. whole scenes. I mean, Catherine Lynn said that they, they, they had a bit in there in the script that they never shot about a Salot. I, I guess I don't know if they were going to talk about Spock's Salot or some Salot, but they apparently the writers are trying to get a Salot into the show. <laughs> I love it, that. It doesn't need to be this episode. So my bet is season they're gonna it's you know, we're yeah. they're gonna do it eventually. They'll find it, a way for sure. And then I did ask Frakes, you know, have, has anyone talked about doing another one? Because Mike McMahon, we know, has said he wants to, and he said ever since we wrapped. <laughs> Which I think was joking but serious yeah that's what i thought too like that they definitely would like to do another one i don't think they're going to do it haphazardly i think if they could have the right idea that they would do it don't see it happening in season three it's just too soon too to soon. do it again yeah. yeah i mean it would be interesting to just do it the other way where you do it on lower decks where there's a lower decks episode where there's a little bit of live action within the episode like right. they go in the holodeck and suddenly it all turns to live action and Pike shows up. But, you know, you could have Michael Burnham show up. I mean, they could do some crazy stuff Yeah, in, in the holodeck, but it's all live action. They all talk about, like, why does everything look three-dimensional and all that? Right. Like the Homer, you know, the Homer, you know, the, the famous Homer Simpson yes. when they <laughs> – It's like, ooh. I always so, love that. Yeah. <laughs> and then he got scared. <laughs> right. My favorite bit is when he talks about how expensive it is, and then he just yeah, sits but- there. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We are talking about the wrong show. I but- know. I'm going to put a link to that on the post so that people can watch it because it's just a joy. Yeah. Hopefully people have an idea of what we are talking about. We are old because that is from a long time ago. I know. 
when CGI was still expensive, but the CGI on that doesn't look expensive, but it was at the time. It was expensive. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) What other must watch panels do you think there are from Trek Talks? The big one for me was the sci-fi sisters panel, which was about the legacy of women in Trek. So they had, uh, Michelle Hurd. They had Marion Smothers, who's Nichelle Nichols' sister. They had Adele Simmons, who was an AD on every season of Next Generation and a couple of seasons of Voyager, who had incredible stories. Don Lewis. And they all had really compelling things to say. Don Lewis actually made me emotional when she was talking about like getting Star Trek and what it meant to her. And she was friends with Nichelle Nichols. Um, but there's so much, and the Adele Simmons stories I thought were amazing, like the crap that she had to put up with. So um, just like it, just when she started out, you know, as a trainee, how does your husband feel about you having a job was one of the questions. So, and she talked about how Patrick Stewart really always stood up for her. And, and it was just, I think to me, that was a really compelling, emotional panel and joyful too. Yeah, where she talked about how, yeah, she's the only woman of color, only person of color on the set. Yeah, like she goes, I think there was one electrician. I mean, And then she also talked about how there were, I think she said, 10 female ADs and then, or 10 black female ADs. I wish I could remember the exact stat, but then a few years later, there were eight. Like it went down. She meant in all of Hollywood. Yes. Not Star Trek. Not on Star Trek. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In Los Angeles. So she's that's fascinating. Crazy. Yeah. Great. But she did note how it's changed in a big way in the last yes. few years. Yeah. She talked about, she said, you know, when I had that stat, she said there still hadn't been me too. There was no Shonda Rhimes out there running all these shows. So a different era, but I think that's a great panel and really good conversations with Nana and uh, Ken Biller. There's all kinds of good stuff to be watched in there. I like the Ken Biller one. I mean, anything with the writer producer, I'm always fascinated to watch. I think that's basically it for newsy stuff and for Trek talk stuff. Last week we talked about a announcement that the, a new season of Star Trek online coming out. That's now out. You could watch the trailer and see screenshots. And I did a separate article all about the recreation of battle Wolf three, five, nine, which is really cool. I got to, get an early preview of that and it's just fun that they're doing these kinds of things in the game and it's really interesting how they you know because they get access to the assets from paramount like the the audio track so they weave in locuta stuff and admiral hansen stuff and they add new stuff to it so you really feel like you're in the battle of wolf 359 and they've done this before with the battle of the binary stars too so it's pretty cool and that's it for the week Right. Well, let's do our bits of the week because we're we have time to do it. So, Tony, what you got? Um, mine. This just tickled the hell out of me. A guy I know from online is this big Star Trek fan. He's Danish. His name is Johan Abrakson. And so, when someone comes through doing a junket, and he knows there's a Star Trek connection to them, he puts it into his interview. So he was interviewing Paul Giamatti, who's in this great movie which um the holdovers yeah just fantastic it's been nominated for an academy award he's been nominated for best yeah. actor but he got paul giamatti to talk about how he giamatti has previously said he's wants to play klingon he's a huge sci-fi nerd giamatti and star trek fan 
And he got Giamatti to recreate that scene from the uh, movie Sideways where he talks about how he won't drink any fucking below, but he did it in Klingon. And then the guy like edited it into yeah, he did such a, a nice scene <laughs> where there's like, you know, it's a scene from Next Generation and there's Giamatti as a Klingon captain. And it's just really well done. But, you know, here we have, you know, just, you know, Paramount, you know, there's this guy's, you know, could quite possibly win the Academy Award for Best Actor. And I know you got the last year's best actress in Star Trek, so why not go for this year's best actor? He, des- he even said on Colbert, if not a Klingon, one of those blue guys, and he kind of made the uh, you know, antenna. So I think, you know, so and Dorian, <laughs> so Paramount put Paul Giamatti in Star Trek. He definitely, he'll do anything. <laughs> yes. Don't waste the opportunity. All right. Well, mine is not that. It's something different, which is that someone posted this on Twitter. So there are a lot of really dopey Star Trek quizzes out there, and you can usually predict how they're going to go. But this is a new one. and It's called, Which Star Trek Character Do You Need a Hug From? And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to fill that out. And I filled it out, and I got the best. I got Benjamin Sisko. And it said, dad hug, dad hug, dad hug. Cisco will give you the warmest, most comforting hug of your goddamn life. You will feel so safe and at peace. He will also make you some soup or something. Which is exactly the kind of hug I wanted at that moment and generally kind of like. And then everybody else that I saw taking it thought that the hug that the person they got was spot on. (laughs) And there was quite the range. It was like I saw people get Tilly, Data, Troy. There were a lot of different ones so i'm we're going to put up a link to it but i suggest that you go and see which star trek character would give you a hug because whoever put this quiz together knew what they were doing i'm gonna have to do this and it's such an (laughs) interesting idea someone else got tuvok and said that tracks like (laughs) everybody the description just i didn't see one person saying oh that's not a good match and i do love a big comforting like everything's gonna be okay hug (laughs) I don't know who I want to hug from. I, I have to think about it before I take the quiz. Right? Well, it's a lot of quiz. So you just answer the questions and then see if that if you when you read it, you go, yeah, that rings true. That is the kind of hug that I would like. I highly recommend it. Well, I'll let you know next time. Who's my Star Trek hug? Yeah, I need to know. All right. Well, that's it for this week on All Access Star Trek. Do us a favor. Please go give us a review on Apple. We'd really appreciate it. If you like us. If you don't like us, don't. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Bye. Goodbye.